Welcome. So this is our tenth shear that we're giving on Tanakh and in Yana Diyayma, Baruch Hashem. And this will likely be the last shear that's um, exclusively, exclusively for women, I'm guessing, from now till Rosh Hashanah. So everybody should have a Ksiva V'Ksiva Taiva, a Guka Ben Shiar, Hashanah Taiva Masuka. And I'm not... Uh, you know, whichever minion you end up in, if you're davening in Ora Torah, I hope you have an elevated and inspired davening. <clears throat> the topic tonight is the Haftarah that we lay in on Rosh Hashanah, the first day, is the first two prokim in Sefer Shmuel, which tells the story of Chana and how she had her son Shmuel, how she davened. <clears throat> And the <clears throat> how she had her child, and then how she said a beautiful tefillah, which is called tefillah schana, which is really more like a shira. It's more like a praise, that a, a beautiful long praise that she said to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Now we're actually not going to be focusing on that parak base, that long praise ten psukim, the fan, what's, which is known as tefillah schana. We're actually what we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on just a few psukim, which are her tefillahs that she made on Rosh Hashanah to have a child. And that's what we're going to try to focus on. If we would have time, if we would have a couple hours on our hands, we would do that, the other one too. But for now, we'll focus on that. And <clears throat> there's, you look in Chazal, the simple reason why we read this Haftarah on Rosh Hashanah is because Chana herself was an Akara. She was originally a woman who couldn't have children. And she was Zaycha to have children, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu listened to her tefillahs and granted her the ability to have children on Rosh Hashanah. She didn't actually become pregnant on Rosh Hashanah. That's not, she didn't conceive on Rosh Hashanah. That happened later. But that's when her judgment changed. And she was, at that point, able to have children. So she was Nifkida over Rosh Hashanah. Sari Menu was also Nifkida on Rosh Hashanah. That's the Kriya Satire that we do. Hashem Pachad Sara. And uh, the, the simple understanding is that's why we landed. But as we'll see, we'll learn now, there are many deep, reasons why we learn about how Chana Davin because it teaches us a lot how we need to Davin on Rosh Hashanah, what kind of approach we need to take to Tefillah on Rosh Hashanah. And it's really, the truth is, uh, I never really researched it before and I was spending the day today researching it and it's, it's very eye-opening, it's, it's fascinating. And the very, well, each, each point uh, is, is very well demonstrated in the text. So we're going to begin just reading some of the Psukim that talk about how she began her Tefillah. I'm going to share the screen with those psukim. Okay. So these are the, the beginning psukim in, in Shmuel Aleph. Pasig, we still, we'll start from Pasig Yud. The, the first couple of psukim are pretty well known. It talks about her husband. Her husband's name was Elkanah. Elkanah himself was a Navi. She was a Nevi'ah as well. Chana herself was a Nevi'ah. And then there was a second wife named Pnina. And according to Mepharshim, what happened was that his, originally he was married to Chana. And they lived together for 10 years and they didn't have any children. So, as, therefore, he, as the halacha is, he married a second wife in order to have children. And Pnina was able to have children. And Chana and Pnina did, apparently, again, from the simple understanding of the psukim, did not get along. Pnina made Chana very upset, 
Chazal talk about whether it was L'shem Shemayim, and it was L'shem Shemayim, but those, all those things need to be understood. We're not gonna, that's not the topic tonight. In any case, she became very sad. And she went to Davin, and in those days it was not a base of Mikdash, but there was Mishkan Shilai. So Elkana and Chana, they didn't live next to the Mishkan. They actually lived far away. But they traveled to go to the Mishkan on Rosh Hashanah. Now most Jews go to the, they, they go to the Mishkan on the three Rigashalosh Regalim. That's when there's a mitzvah to go, right? So you go on Psukis, you go on Pesach, you go on Shavuos, you bring a carbon. That's when there's the obligation to go. But they were there in Rosh Hashanah. What were they doing there in Rosh Hashanah? So the Chasim Seifer says in his drushes, he says that, that Elkanah made a special trip to go on Rosh Hashanah because Chana needed children. Chana was an Akara. She had, hadn't had children for all these years. And according to different accounts, it was many years, many years. This was either 19 years after they were married that this story took place. And according to other accounts, uh, it was way more than that. So according to those Cheshbainists, where it was like 60, 70 years, then this was all, you know, Shaloi Kedarech this was a nace that she had children at all at this point. But according to even the more simple understanding, it was 20 years, they'd been ready childless for 20 years, she had no children for 20 years, and he made a special trip to go Rosh Hashanah because he says the Chasim Sefer writes, that's an ideal time for someone to daven, to change their mazel. They should change their mazel regarding having children. So he went early, and I guess they were going to stay through Sukkot. So they went, and she was very sad, and she was sad because her, her, her wife, her, I don't even know what English term there is for the other wife, uh, made her very upset. <clears throat> so it says, She was very bitter. Now I have those words bolded and larger because it's a very strange terminology, which I hope we'll get to because it actually sheds a fascinating point on how she davened. So Hashem translated literally would mean she davened about Hashem or on Hashem or against Hashem maybe even. Uh, we really should have shed El Hashem with an Aleph. But she davened to Hashem and she cried. And then she promised to HaKadosh Baruch Hashem Tzvakais, Hashem Tzvakais. And again, I have this bolded and large because we're going to see, Chazal is going to talk about this, that she was the first person in history to refer to HaKadosh Baruch this way, Hashem Tzvakais. And this is one of Hashem's names. That's why we say Tzvakais, uh, with a kuf there, or like the little uh, apostrophe I put after the Aleph. So uh, I don't know if this, this means that she was able on her own to, she was a Nevi'ah, she was able to divine one of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's names that no one had ever used before. So she referred to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by one of his names, one of the Shemus HaKadoshim that no one ever used before, Hashem Tzvakai. So we'll see why. Im Roy Tireh, if you will look, Ba'ani Yamasecha, on the poverty or in the difficulty of, of, your, of your maidservant, V'zachartani, and remember me. V'loi sishkach and don't forget your maidservant, V'nesatala, Moscha, Zera, Anoshim, and you should give your, your maidservant, Zera, Anoshim, children that are men. Now, also, I have it bolded and large because it's a very strange language. Does she want a child? Does she want a son? Does she want a daughter? She should say, Zera, um, Ish, or Ben, what does this mean, Zerah Anashim? And Chazal have many different Pshatim. Again, one of them is going to be fascinating. So she asks for Zerah Anashim, and Usatav Lashem, and she promises to give him and trust him to the care of Hashem. Kol Yimei his whole life, which is what she did after she had Shmuel. Once he was two years old and stopped nursing, she brought him to Eli Akayin, and she entrusted him to his care. And that was it. 
she went back home and she visited him from time to time, but that was it. She did not raise her own child that she had waited 20 years for. She did not raise him. She gave him over to Eli Akain so that he should live a life of Kedusha and Tahara in the Mishkan. And he will not cut his hair. Chazal say that this means that she made him into a Nazir as well. And that is what happened. Shmuel himself was a Nazir, just like Shimshon Agibra was a Nazir and couldn't cut his hair. Shmuel Hanavi was a Nazir as well. Then it says, As she was being marvish, she was davening a lot in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Eli, who was the Kayin Gadol, who was, who was there in the Mishkan, he was watching her mouth, and simply it means he was watching to see when she would finish, because he had something to tell her. And why did he have something to tell her? Because Chana was talking to herself. Only her lips were moving. And you couldn't hear her voice. And Eli therefore thought that she was drunk. So why did Eli think she was drunk? So again, the simple reading seems that it was unusual to him that she was davening quietly, and he thought she was just like rambling. Rashi says that it was that wasn't as typical in those days. You davened, you didn't daven quietly. You davened out loud, and Chana was davening quietly. Now it's a little interesting because Chazal actually learn this is fascinating, but they learn a lot of halachas of how to daven. They learn it from Chana. Those halachas are learned from Chana. The Gemara in in, in Masechtas Brachas goes through Kama halacha gibra. So there are so many big halachas we can learn from the way Chana daven, and one of them is that you're not supposed to daven loudly when you daven Shemana Esrei, which is the way we daven now. So it seems unlikely that it was different then. So more 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 mistaber is what it means is is that she was davening, but he could tell if you're davening Shemana Esrei, fine, no problem. You know, but he knows how long Shmanesri takes, and he knows you know there are parts that you bow down, and there's a certain uh, system to Shmanesri. So he was watching her, and he could tell that she was not davening Shmanesri, and therefore he was wondering, then why are you davening quietly? And that's why he suspected that there was something wrong. By Eli, so Eli told her, "On how long will you be drunk? You know, first become sober and then come." Vatan Chana and Chana replied, Vatoymer, and she said, Loyadaini, you're making a mistake, my master. Ishik Shas Ruach Anoichi, I'm a woman who's upset, who's bitter. Vyayim Vesheikh Eloshis, he said, I have not drunk wine or anything that makes a person drunk. Vayashvech is Nafshi Yufne Hashem, I'm just pouring out my soul in front of Akadish Baruch, I'm davening. Don't assume that your maidservant is like someone who's a, who's a, you know, a chotzuf, someone who's a ruffin. It's because of the, the many things I have to say and the anger that I have suffered. That's why I've been speaking till now. So this is, these are the words of the tefillah of Chana, this historic tefillah that, that Chana said. And uh, that's, that's all we have from the words in Tanakh itself of what she said to Davin for a child. Later it talks about how she praised HaKadosh Baruch Hu after she had a child. But these are the only words we have. And Chazal are going to expound upon them and make uh, tremendous volumes of tefillah, which clearly she was talking and talking and talking, and, and Elia Kain was trying to figure out what she's doing. So there's volumes that she said, and Chazal tell us some of them. So I want to point out four different things we can learn from the way Chana davened, and remember she's davening on Rosh Hashanah, and it teaches us a lot about how we are supposed to daven on Rosh Hashanah. So the first general point is, just 
the intense power that tefillah has. And I saw this described beautifully in a sefer called Dibre Yaakov. It's written by uh, Rabbi Yaakov Adas. And um, he, he just says, look, look at how Chana davened. She was an Akara now. She didn't have children for 19 years. She davened intensely. She poured out her soul in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. She gave it everything that she had. And she, he writes that you won't find anywhere in Chazal, you won't find anywhere in Tanakh, that so much attention is given to one person's tefillah as it is to Chana. There's backstory given, what her difficulty was. There's attention paid to her emotion, her emotional state, how sad she was, how bitter she was, how hard it was for her. We didn't read all those psukim, but there is a lot, an extensive amount of description given. And then there's a description of how she damns and what she says. It's written in classic, you know, the way things are written in the Torah, very bekitzer, and you need Chazal to explain it, but a lot of attention is paid to these tefillahs, and we learn so much from it. <clears throat> and he says the reason is because the, the, the Torah, the Shmuel Hanavi, is trying to teach us the power that tefillah has. Look at this woman, he says. This one woman, Davin, she damned her heart out. And she had a son. She had Shmuel Hanavi. And Shmuel Hanavi changed the course of history. Shmuel Hanavi introduced Malchus to Klal Yisrael. He was the one who installed Shaul HaMelech as a king, and he installed David HaMelech as a king. Shmuel HaNavi was David HaMelech's Rebbe. He was David HaMelech's Rebbe. Everything that David HaMelech knew, he learned from Shmuel HaNavi. So Shmuel HaNavi created the first king and created the whole history, the whole dynasty of David HaMelech. Shmuel HaNavi changed the whole nature of Klai Yisrael at the time. Klai Yisrael just had gone through Shimshon Hagibur. Shimshon Hagibur had died. He had been killed, tragically, by the Plishtim. And then the next people who were meant to take over was Elia Kain, and Elia Kain did for a little while, and then his children were supposed to take over. But his two children, Chafni and Pinchas, Klai Yisrael were very disappointed with them. They weren't living up to the standards of a Shaifet. So Klai Yisrael was in a rut. Klai Yisrael was at a low. The Pasuk says later on, when Shmuel got a little older, it says, Ein There were very few people who were in Nevi'im, very few people who had Ruach HaKadosh. There was very little leadership. And she then had Shmuel Navi, who was a, a Navi for so many years, and he changed the whole nature of Klai Yisrael. He brought them to the point where they could have Malchus, where they could have a Shol Amalek, where they could have Dabra Amalek. So this tefillah of the one woman of Chana who just didn't give up, she refused to give up, and she damaged, she poured out her heart and soul to HaKadosh Baruch Hu year after year, 19 years, and she had this child and changed the whole world. And he says that is the reason why we lay in it on Rosh Hashanah, simply to give us the inspiration to realize how powerful tefillah is, how much it could accomplish, and how we should never give up. So that's one beautiful point, which is just really the very simple understanding of what's going on over here in tefillah's chana, what we're meant to take from it. But there's another beautiful point made over here by the Drush's Chesam Seifer, which I started to mention before. It was the one that pointed out that they were there on Rosh Hashanah, which was unusual because Elkanah wanted to give his wife Hannah an ability to daven. But he says a fascinating thing. We need to look at some other psukim here, earlier psukim, to understand what he's saying. So these are earlier psukim here. 
and it talks about how Elkanah came. So the Pasuk says, V'chein yaseh shana b'shana. This is what happens every year. Midei aloisa, when Chana and Elkanah would come to the Mishkan. And it sounds like they would come every year, meaning at this time, at Rosh Hashanah. So he, this was a practice he always did. He would come Rosh Hashanah to afford her the ability to daven. Beveis Hashem, to daven in, in the Mishkan. Kein tachi sena. Penina would make her very angry, and she would cry, and she would not eat. She would refuse to eat. So it was Rosh Hashanah, and she was fasting. And this year, Elkanah Isha tells her, her husband, Why are you crying? Why won't you eat? Why are you so sad? I am better for you or to you than ten children. So what exactly did he mean when he said, I am better to you than ten boys? So one thing he meant, Chazal say, that a person, a woman, is uh, her ticket into Alam Haba. In other words, the way, the, the way to understand this, Chazal, is that every person needs to have the Schus HaTayra to get into Alam Haba. And a woman's connection to Tyra is assisting her husband in learning Tyra and assisting her children in learning Tyra, being mechanic her children in learning Tyra, bringing them to, to Beis HaMedrish, waiting up for her husband when he comes for Beis HaMedrish. So he's telling her, You can gain the same ticket into Elam Haba through me as you would with ten children. So that's one point that he's possibly making. Or he's also telling her that even if you don't have any children, now my love for you will not diminish, will not change. You don't have to worry that you will get divorced. And other, another pshat, which is from the, uh, from the Medrish, the Medrish says... Um, it's a Yalkut actually. Anoichi Toivlach, Anoichi means like Hashem. Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. So he says, Anoichi, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who said Anoichi Hashem Alekecha, is Toivlach Me'asarabanim. It's your relationship with Him is more important than children. And clearly, if this is what He wants from you, then you should accept it. And you should trust that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do what is best for you and He will give whatever is as good as ten children to you. So he was telling him, having that connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is as good as ten children. So regardless of what the pshat was, clearly she accepted his words and she was comforted. She ate. She wasn't eating up till that point and she got up and she did eat. Over there in the Mishkan, and she drank. And Eliakain was sitting on his chair near the doorway of the Heichal, and that's when she went to Daven. And then the next passage begins with her Davening. So she was comforted by her husband Eli, and she felt better. And that's when she went, and she went to Daven. So the Chassam Sefer says a fascinating thing. He says Rosh Hashanah is a Yom Hadin. It's true. And Rosh Hashanah is a day of awesome din. And it's, it's, it's a scary day. Yom Noira, Yom Din, Umishpada, Kal Yitzurei Tevel is a day that we're judged. All, all the, everybody who lives in this world is judged. But he writes, Mikom Makom, he says, Ein it's not a day of sadness. And he quotes this Pasuk in, Nechemia, in Ezra Nechemia we gave last year. 
uh, the Tanakh and was on that topic, that Pasik in Nehemiah, the Pasik says, Lechu Ichlu Mashmanim Ezra Asaifer was telling the Jews who were very sad on Rosh Hashanah because they had done Averis and they were worried where their judgment would be. He said, Lechu Ichlu Mashmanim, go, no, eat. Shesumam Takim, drink good, good wine. Veshulchu Manas Lein Nachalayan, send gifts to people. Kikadashayim Ladeneinu, it's a holy day, Takadash Baruchu, Al Te'atsu, don't be sad. Kichedras Hashem, the, the happiness of being close to Hashem is our strength. So he says, the Chassam Sefer says, Rosh is not a day to be sad. Adar Rabbi says, in the opposite, through the happiness, the simcha of being able to do tshuva, and loving Hashem, and becoming close to Hashem, and when you cry in Rosh Hashanah, you don't cry out of sadness, you cry out of closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The trua that we blow on Rosh Hashanah is a trua of happiness. He says, that's a pasuk we say, um, right after we blow the shayfer, we say, and we say, Beshimcha, that's Bez, Yegilun is Yud, Kal Hayyim, Kachaf, and Hey is Bechia. So we are happy with HaKadosh Baruch Hu the whole day of, of, of Rosh Hashanah, Beshimcha, Yegilun, Kal Hayyim, through Bechia. So crying is not uh, the opposite, it's not contrary to Simcha, it's tears of closeness, tears of coming back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's this with Shivra, and he says, but, but being broken and being sad, La Yizaka Yipake, Kimisitra Deklipi, he says it's the wrong thing in Rosh Hashanah. So he says, Chana came year after year to Rosh Hashanah to Daven, but she was sad, and he, he explains that Penina affected her in a way that she couldn't get over it. She couldn't get past it. She was broken. And she, she couldn't Daven, because she knew you can't Daven like that on Rosh Hashanah. You can't Daven when you're broken. But this was the first year that her husband was successful in getting her past it. Her, her husband was successful in comforting her. And therefore she was able to gain back her strength. She was able to gain back her personal happiness and her her, her sense of, of, of security with herself. So he says, <clears throat> he, she, it needs power and it needs strength and it needs simcha, and she got to that point. Now that's why she didn't have in all years, but this year she did. Because Alkana realized what was going on. Until she felt better. And that's when she got up and she davened. And when she says that I'm davening because of my anger, I'm davening because of my, my bitterness, it doesn't mean that. It means that those caused her to recognize how intense her need is. But her actual tefillah was not from anger, it was not from bitterness, it was not from being broken, it was done b'simcha. And that also is an eye-opener. It's an eye-opener and it, it just sheds light on how the, the tefillah, even the tefillah of a woman who has not had children for 19 years, how you have to daven on Rosh Hashanah. That's a beautiful piece. The third point <clears throat> is the type of attitude we need to have when we daven. And this is where Chazal expound on the words that Hannah said to explain to us what she actually said. So this is the Gemara Brachis, and the Gemara Brachis is coming to explain what I mentioned before, why she says Hashem Tzvakais. It's number three over here. Vatidar Neder, and she promised Vatimer Hashem Tzvakais, she said Hashem Tzvakais. Amar Rebbe Lazar, 
Rabbi Lazar says, From the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created his world, there wasn't a person who called HaKadosh Baruch Hu until Chana came and she called him Tzvakais. Amra Chana l'fnei HaKadosh Baruch So Chana said in front of Hashem, Ribbonu Shalayla, Mikal Tzvakai Tzvakai Shebarasa, all the hosts and creations that you created in this world by Lamcha, Kasha Be'ein Necha, Shetitad Li'bein Echad, you have a problem, you can't spear one son, you can't spear one child for me, you created billions of people, why can't I have, why can't I be Zechad to have one of those children? An example to this is a king, he made a, a big party, a banquet for all his servants. And one poor man came. And he stood by the door. Give me one piece of bread. They didn't pay attention to him. He managed to worm his way in. He squeezed, he pushed, he crawled under people, and he got next to the king. And my master, the king, from the whole Suda you made, you have a problem to give me one Prusa? So she, she was Mechadesh. Right? She, she, she came up with a whole new way to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And she taught us that you can approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu and you can tell him, you have so much HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have billions of people, you have thousands, you, everything is yours. How could it be that you can't afford to give me one child? You can have such a claim on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's a, a story which I had heard before and we just got sent a little video of it again. That when there were many children who were saved, among them the Gaibut of Yerushalayim, of Tobi Weiss, they were saved through a kinder transport where about 5,000 children, and it wasn't all at one shot, but about 5,000 children were given visas to come to England and they were saved from Germany. And many, many children were saved that way. It's the only way they, they, they survived. So after the first uh, group of children, about 500 children came, King George, who was the king at the time, they, he wanted to see you know, the people he had, he had saved, and they all lined up into two long columns, and he drove through on whatever he was driving through on to see all the children that they had saved. And one child ran out of the crowd and jumped onto the vehicle and as, started speaking to the king, and they like, couldn't get him away fast enough, and he told the king, King, you know, you did such a, an amazing thing. You saved all of us, and you saved us, and we owe our lives to you, but how can I go and go on and be happy and, and enjoy life when I know my parents, my father, my mother, my other siblings are all there in, in Nazi Germany and they're going to be killed and destroyed. And within a few weeks, his whole family was, was granted uh, visas and they were saved as well. And this is exactly what this Medrash is saying. You can push yourself in. And you can get yourself, the Ani can squeeze himself in up to the king and then he tells the king... You can't spear one piece of bread. If you get it, you get that into the king and on Rosh Hashanah, we get that. On Rosh Hashanah, we get access. We get that kind of access. And that's what Chana was mechadish to us. You can say Hashem Tzvakas on Rosh Hashanah. That's what you could do. On Rosh Hashanah, you can say Hashem Tzvakas. You have everything. How could you not spear this for me? You're so powerful. You have the ability. There's no way that you can't do this for me. Chazal say further to understand this, how she was davening. 
the Medrash says, and they, the Medrash says this as a Hagdama, this is number four, to Tfilas Chana, Right, so this is a pasuk we say uh, every day. It's in Pesukah de Zimra. It's at the end of of Haidu. Uh, it's at the end of Haidu. It's one of the last pesukim we say. We say Hashem talking. I am Hashem, your God. I've taken you out of Eretz Mitzrayim. Harchev picha, open your mouth wide. Harchev picha, open your mouth wide. And I'll fill it up. And Chazal say, what does this mean? Chazal say that all you need to do all you need to do is open up the smallest hole to HaKadosh Baruch Hashem says, I have plenty to give you. Just open up, be a click kibble, and I'll fill it up. As you open up, I will fill it for you. And Rav Chagi B'Shem Rav Yitzchak says, Ein shoylen anias b'makim ashiris. He says that when you ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu something, don't be cheap. Don't cut yourself short. Hashem has everything. Ask for everything. Ask for every last detail. Every last thing you want. And there's a Pirish called Yifei Naf. It's a very early Pirish on Medrash. And he explains. He says, Boy Lameimer is trying to say, you should ask from Hashem what you want. Don't hold anything back. Don't act like a poor person when you're talking to the king. There's nothing Hashem can't do. To give you what you want. You should ask whatever you want. And if you don't, if you like, you say, okay, I'll just ask a little bit. It's actually going to be held against you. It's as if you don't believe that Hashem could actually give you all that. And it's as if you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu is stingy. Or he doesn't have the ability. Therefore, Chana herself saw the fact that she has not, hadn't davened enough till this point on her, the fact that she didn't have, didn't have children, until Penina drove her to the anger to such a, large, to such a great degree, this was held against her. And in order to, to repent, that's why she promised Shmuel to Hashem. She felt she had to make it up, that she hadn't asked Hashem, he can give everything. So it's another aspect of how we need to daven is you need to daven with that kind of approach. You're the Melech, I'm here in front of you now, you have tzvok, you have everything. You can give me everything, and I'm going to ask for everything. It's, it's, no, it's, no, skin off, it's no skin off your back, it's not going to cost you anything, right? You have everything. You can ask a Kaddish Baruch Hu that way, and you're meant to ask a Kaddish Baruch Hu that way, and actually holding back in your tefillahs is held against us. Why, why are you holding back? You have the opportunity to ask. Ask. Ask for everything. And you see Chana did that. You see that Chana herself did that. She, um, sorry. Yeah. She said, Zera Anashim. Remember, I had those words bolded. So, what does Zera Anashim mean? Number five. Rabbanan Ami, Zera Anashim. What does Zera Anashim mean? Zera Shemuvla Ben Anashim. A child, children that will be, they'll fit in with people. Kyasur Avdimi, when Avdimi came, Amri explained, like Aroch, like Goitz. Not too tall, not too short, like Katan, not too skinny, like Ilam, not too fat, like Tzachar, not too red, like Gichar, not too black, like Chacham, not 
super smart, that he's, you know, unusual, and not foolish. So here you have a woman, she hasn't had children for 19 years, she's making her bakasha to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and she gets very specific. I want this is exact. I want him to be this tall. I want him to be this uh, this uh, face color, this skin color, and, and and she she details all these things. And some svarim right? What kind of business is this? You know, you're talking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and you, you're describing exactly what kind of child you want to have. And the answer is yes, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu can do everything, and he can do anything, and there's nothing that's too much to ask. There is no such thing, and holding back is actually a chesar and an R, and it's just means how little we understand of how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu could give and wants to give. So that's another, just a, it's just a fascinating approach to understand. There's a lot more in Chazal about this, just how much, how far Chana went when she davened, how much effort and how much she was willing to kind of, almost be chutzpidig in a way, to just push herself in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, there's no way you can't give me this. Now, the last point that I want to make here is a point from the Nefesh HaChaim. And it's a, it's a beautiful point, and it's a very powerful point, and it's also the most difficult point to understand. But it's a point that we struggle with on every Rosh Hashanah, that's the truth. And he goes into this at length, and he's discussing the concept of davening for Kvot Shemayim, which we know, we know from Svarim, and we know is discussed at length, that the Tvilas and Rosh Hashanah are for Malchias. The Tvilas and Rosh Hashanah doesn't seem to be anything personal there. It's all davening for Kvet Shemayim, it's all davening for our Kaddish Baruch Hu's Shechina to return, to, re- to reveal himself, all the Tvilas revolve around our Kaddish Baruch Hu's greatness and that Mashiach should come and the world should come to its perfection and so on and so forth. And there's no talk about our food, our money, our Parnassah, our children, our health, uh, you know, so many things that are important to us, none of those are mentioned. And it's always a struggle. Do you dab for those? Don't you dab for those? You dab quietly. The Balamus will say this, and others say that. And we've talked about it in previous years at length. And I want to share with you what Rav Chaim learns from these psukim. And I think in a way, it's a high level, what he's talking about. But in a way, it's, it gives us a fascinating insight. Because over here we have Chana. And she didn't have children for 19 years. And she wants children in a way that is, I don't even know if it's possible for us to be masig. I don't know if it's possible for us to wipe, to wrap our heads around because she wants children. She wanted to have Shmuel Navi. There was a basco going out that there's going to be a Shmuel Navi, and, and she was ready to die for that. She, she, she wanted children more than a regular woman would want to have children more than a regular mother would want to have children. This was a whole new level. A whole new, and she was suffering from her a second wife. So there was so much emotion here. And all that emotion is expressed in the Pasuk. Pasuk says that was all there. She was so bitter and she was so sad and she was so upset. And she went and she davened and she poured out her heart and she talked about that on Rosh Hashanah. So look, here we have it. Black on white, right? You can daven for children on Rosh Hashanah. You can daven for what you need. Anybody says that you have to daven only about Malchus Shemayim, <laughs> Chana, daven on Rosh Hashanah, and that's what she daven for, right? That seems to be straightforward. Comes Rechaim Velazhin and says, no, you totally don't understand what's going on here. And then he bases it on this line that we mentioned before, but Tzpal Chana Al Hashem. She davened 
on Hashem. Shidavan on the behalf of HaKadosh Baruch. And this is how he explains it. I'm going to read some of his language. He asks really a very basic question. He says, Be'emes Yifla. Really, he says it's, it's, it's uh, you know, an amazing question. What does it even make? How does it even make sense to daven Hakadosh take away our yisurim. How does it make sense to daven that we were suffering from something? Something's going on. We tell Hashem, no, no, we can't do this anymore. Take it away. He says, clearly, we believe and we are of my minim, and we know that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, whatever He brought upon us, is because we need that. It's the best thing for us. So He says, you go to a doctor and you're suffering from some kind of disease, and the doctor prescribes medicine, and then you start davening to the doctor, doctor, please don't prescribe that medicine, I hate it. And he's, this is what you need, this is what you came here, right? You're sick, you need medicine. So he says, what, is it, what does it even mean that we're davening that a Kaddish Baruch should take away our tzaras? So he says, he says, you have to understand, he says, that's not how we're davening. You know what we're really davening for? He says, we're really davening for Hashem's pain. That's what we're davening for. When Hashem gives us pain, when Hashem makes us suffer, when Hashem has to put us through something difficult, when He puts us through a test, when we have a nisayin, a nisayin of parnasa, a nisayin with our children, a nisayin of sickness, a nisayin of sickness in our family, all the different nisayinists that a person can go through. HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels that as we feel it, as much and even more than we feel it. The Gemara says, I spoke about this a lot, Pesach time, uh, by my Shabbos, Hagadol Drasha, that when a person suffers, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Kalni mi roishi, kalni mi my head is hurting, my hand is hurting, meaning to say, if a person suffering on his hand, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand hurts. If a person's head is hurting, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, my head hurts. So there's a tremendous tsar that the Shekhinah goes through. And he gives a mashal, he says, if, uh, you know, you're standing on your porch, the front door of your house. And no one should ever see a thing like this. They see their kid run out into the street and get hit by a car. And at that very moment, they see the, 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 their child lying on the street, bleeding. And he says the, the, the pain and suffering of a parent at that moment is undescribable. They don't know what's going to be. They don't know if the kid's going to survive. They don't know how much damage was done. The kid gets taken to the hospital, you go along in the ambulance and they take x-rays and they, 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 they check out everything and they say, oh, we can, he can be cured. The child can be cured, we can, we, can, we can do a surgery and he'll recover. And he goes through the surgery and then the father's there during recovery and it's so painful. The child is crying and is in pain and is sad, crying from the pain. He says it's true, it's very difficult for the parent. But it's even more difficult, the hardest moment was that first moment when you saw the destruction, you saw the pain, you saw what, went, what everything that happened. That moment is so terrible for the parent when you don't know what's going to be. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees when a person does an Aver. It's like he got hit by a car. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, my goodness, what are we going to do with this person? And then a person has to go through the process of, 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 of the cure. And that hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much as when the person does the Aver. And he says, when a person then relates to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he says, I know you're suffering so much because of what I did. I know you're in so much pain. And it's something that we can relate to as well because so many sick people, that's what bothers them more than anything else, how much their wives are going through, how much their parents are going through, and how much their children are going through, seeing them sick, seeing them suffer. 
So knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is suffering with us, we daven for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we say, you should not be suffering like this. And he says, that's what tefillah really is. That's where our tefillah is really directed. And he says, that's what Chana was doing. She was davening for Hashem. All her bitterness, all her pain, the 19 years of not having children, all the insults and all the needling and teasing that she had to undergo because of Penina and the being there alone without children when Penina had all the all that suffering all was packaged into her saying you a Kaddish Baruch Hu, are suffering through this you should not be suffering for that she was davening for Kvoyed Shemaim through davening for her pain and that is a, a a very powerful powerful approach to tefillah and Chaim Velazhner goes in Nefesh Chaim. He talks about this barichos because he says it's not easy to achieve this level of tefillah. And he gives different kinds of ideas, which I think even those ideas are for Bala Madrega. But I think for us is that realize, if we realize this point, then I think we have the way, we have the method of when we are damning for ourselves, because I don't expect us I don't expect myself, I'll talk for myself, I don't expect for myself to be able to daven and, and, and just be daven for, you know, for our Kaddish Baruch Hu's pain. That, that's a big madrega. But when we're davening for ourselves, if we can make that connection in our mind, if we can relate to that, then we're davening for Kvayt Shemaim. Yeah, we're not on Chana's level where that's all she was davening for, right? She was only davening for Allah Hashem. No, we're, not, we're, not, we're not up to there. I don't know. I don't know if we're getting there. But we could think about that. And when we're saying those tefillahs anyway, because that is what the tefillahs of Rosh Hashanah are all about. The tefillahs of Rosh Hashanah are all al Hashem. What we can understand is, yeah, we can down for every single need we have, and we can go in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem Tzvaka, it's like Chana, and say that you have everything, how could you not give it to me? You're able to give it to me, and you're able to give me exactly what I want. Even more than I, I know that I need, you can provide it for me. And we can go through a whole tefillah that way, and the point, the nakuda of that tefillah is that you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are suffering so much from this, so how could you not give this to me? And this is just a beautiful way to tie together everything that could be going on in our hearts, together with everything that's going on in the Machzer. The Machzer is talking all about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our hearts are talking all about Hashem. They're not really two different things. They are the same thing. And the, the way our tefillah is successful is when we direct it towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. <clears throat> So to summarize what we've talked about, We've talked about the four points that we can learn out of the way Chana was mispaled to HaKadosh Baruch, how Chana davened. The first point that Chazal wanted us to lay in this Haftarah on Rosh Hashanah was simply to us to know how powerful tefillah is, how much a person shouldn't give up. After 19 years, she didn't give up. She still tried. She still put in, put in her full effort. And look what she accomplished. She had a son, Shmuel, who changed the whole course of history, changed whatever Klai Yisrael was up to that point. It changed. He instituted Malchus all through the power of her tefillah. That was point number one. Point number two was how a person needs to daven in Rosh Hashanah. The Chassam Seifer says, Chana was only successful in davening in Rosh Hashanah when she was able to get over her pain and her, her sadness because that's not how you daven in Rosh Hashanah. In Rosh Hashanah, you have to daven from Simcha. You have to daven from Bechia of Simcha. That get, you're getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu once again. We're Zeichah to connect to him with Dveikas and with Tshuva. That's the, the way you, daven, you have to daven in Rosh Hashanah and that's the way we can get answered when we daven in Rosh Hashanah. 
And the third point was, look at how she presented her tefillah. She went into HaKadosh Baruch Hu and she said, You tell me, open up, and you have everything to give me. She didn't sell herself short. She asked for every single thing she wants, down to the last detail, exactly what she wants, exactly how she wants it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has everything, can provide with everything, and we have now the opportunity to approach Him. And the last point was that she was in Spal Al Hashem. She connected all of her own pain, all of her own emotion, everything she was going through, and she translated it into this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is suffering, and she directed her tefillah for Malchus Shemayim. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you should not suffer like that. You should not suffer because of me. You should not suffer through my pain. Change it so that that should not continue. And that was a tefillah that had the holy level a tefillah of Malchus, tefillah of Malchus Shemayim, which is where how we're meant to direct our tefillahs. And with Siyata Dishmaya, I wish on all of us that we should be zeichet to be able to achieve some mashahu of that kind of tefillah in Rosh Hashanah, that we can have such an elevated and inspired tefillah where we can throw our whole heart in it, knowing how much we can accomplish with the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah. And we should all be zeichet to to pile for us and for the whole of Kla Yisrael, Aksiva and a Chasima Taiva, and a good blessed year, as is Hashem. You could uh, ask any question now if you want. Amen. Thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone.